Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi. I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honored to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Dana Skaggs is a licensed psychotherapist. She has been in private practice for 15 years, specialising in anxiety and adjustment issues along with trauma work. She's also known as the Queen of Boundaries, so it seems fitting for her to join Queen B to explore boundaries, what they are, and why they're so important. Welcome, Dana, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I've uh, I've been very excited to catch up with you. Now, uh, you're joining us from Tennessee uh, in the States. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. For people who haven't heard about you, can you go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. I am a psychotherapist. I've been a psychotherapist for about 15 years or so. Um, then I started my podcast called Phoenix and Flame. And now I'm just getting ready to launch an online boundaries course, actually later this month. And that's kind of my thing is I'm called the queen of boundaries. Mm. And so that's I, I heard that so much in my private practice. And also, I have some personal experience with that. I have um, with my had some dysfunctional relationship with mm. my mother and this type of thing, which gave me a lot of very up close and personal understanding of if you don't have boundaries in place, then then you're going to get sucked under the bus. Mm. So I have personal understanding. And also I got to hear a lot of my patients talk about their struggles with boundaries as well. So that's kind of like my jam. That's what I'm doing these days. Amazing. And I'm glad you mentioned that because that was the one thing I wanted to talk to you about today was boundaries. Um, and what happens when we don't have any in place or we don't respect them. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I also have had a lot of experience in my life where I wasn't great with boundaries um, and the people in my life weren't either. Um, and it took a lot of time and a lot of healing to understand that, no, hang on a minute, you know, this stops here. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, can you take us through... Like, because some people might not even know that they're doing this, right? That they're, that they're their mm-hmm. biggest enemy when it comes to boundaries. Um, can you give us some examples and, and, and where it actually goes wrong, where we're not recognizing a boundary? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. 
So let me start out with just giving you an analogy of a yard. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you have your yard and imagine that you're in a typical suburban neighborhood. And so just for laughs and giggles for our analogy, let's imagine that we have fencing in between each yard. So you're very clear of what's your yard and what's not your yard. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to kind of point out and say that even without fencing, have you ever noticed that most people, when they go out to mow their yard, they know exactly where to stop mowing? Yep. I mean, to the inch. (laughs) Yep. Well, my my front yard doesn't have fencing, so we we stop exactly where the line is, you know. (laughs) That's it, where the line is. That's it. And so why is it that you don't mow your neighbor's yard, even if it needs mowing? Hmm. Because... They might not want it. Mm-hmm. It's it's their yard, mm. right? It's not yours to mow. Mm. But what is yours to mow is your yard. And so if you think about that, in our yard are our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. And we have a right to those things and a responsibility in managing those. But what we don't have ownership over or responsibility for is what's in our neighbor's yard, which is what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're doing. Mm. That's not our responsibility. Mm. And I could give you a couple of uh, boundary breach examples if you would like for me to. Yeah, totally. Okay. So let's imagine, again, using the analogy that you're on a front porch, Mm -hmm. your front porch, and you look over and you have a neighbor and she's come out of her house and both of you all are kind of admiring the morning. Now, let's say that you're really admiring your yard because you spent months researching soil and the type of sun you get and what kind of flowers are going to grow in your yard and what kind of mulch you want and all kinds of things. And you spent so much time. And so you're standing there with your cup of coffee, just really just so proud of yourself, looking at all of your your beautiful yard items well, your neighbor over here to the left, she walks out, walks across her yard and leans against the fence and looks at your flowers and says, those are the ugliest flowers I've ever seen in my life. Well, although that's pretty rude and it's not very nice to hear, that's not a boundary breach because she's entitled to her opinion. However, if she were to walk out of her yard, walk down the sidewalk, walk into your yard and pull your flowers up out of your ground, then that's a problem. Mm. because it's in your yard and you're entitled to your flowers. If she doesn't like them, she doesn't have to plant them in her yard. So if you think that about that in terms of your thoughts and your feelings, and you can even think about it even on a political terrain, you know, everyone has a right to their own feelings and their own opinions on things. And you could disagree with someone, you could disagree vociferously with someone, but they still have a right to their opinion and you have a right to yours. Now, another type of boundary breach would be imagine that you have another neighbor on the other side and he loves to throw parties on Friday nights and you've been at work all day and you come home and, you you know, you've got you some tea or wine or beer, whatever your preference, and you're standing on your front porch again. And here comes all the cars pulling up, lining the, the, the roadway. And here comes the the pizza delivery cars and all that. Everybody's walking to his backyard with the the beer bottles and the the pizza boxes and all this. You can go inside because that's not a boundary breach. Even though it's quite loud, it's not noise pollution loud. So, and you're tired, you want to be able to enjoy your front porch, but you have a neighbor and he wants to have a party. 
So you can just go in your house and be done. But here's the thing. Let's say the next morning, you're a morning person and you go outside and you look over there at your neighbor's yard. It's about, I don't know, nine o'clock in the morning. And it's a mess. I mean, there's pizza boxes, beer bottles, beer cans, napkins, all kinds of stuff all over his yard. And you're thinking, you know what? I'd like to just do a random act of kindness. I know he's probably going to have a hangover when he comes out over there. And I'm a morning person. He's my neighbor. So I'm going to go get me one of those stretchy, extra large trash bags. And I'm going to go over there. I'm going to pick up his yard for him. So when he comes out, it'll be all picked up. And that happened. You picked up the yard. He comes out about two o'clock, just coming out like a mole out of a hole. <laughs> he's got a hangover. He's got a, his head's hurting. And he's expecting to have to clean up his yard because of his party. When he sees that it's all cleaned up, he looks over at you because you happen to be out at the same time. And he, he could kiss your feet. He's so grateful. Well, here's the thing. Let's say you do that for six more Saturday mornings. Then comes a Saturday morning where you have other plans and you don't clean up his yard. This time when he walks out and sees all the, the trash and the pizza boxes and beer bottles from the party he threw the night before and it's not cleaned up, this time when he looks at you, what is his emotion going to be? Mm, he's going to be a bit pissed, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he's going to be mad. And we think, well, that's not, why should he be mad? It's his yard. But that's another type of a boundary breach because we trained him Mm. that we were going to prevent him from experiencing the natural consequences of his choice to have a party on a Friday night. The natural consequence of that would be all the trash on Saturday morning. And so we prevented him from experiencing that and he got used to it. We trained him that we would do it and then he grew to expect it. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's such a great analogy. And I guess when we then look at that sort of framework in a relationship, um, whether it be family or you know parents or you know our intimate relationships, um, this is where you know, like when we start to dig into other people's decisions and their thoughts and their emotions and have our opinions on those and 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 try to sway them. That's where we're actually breaching those boundaries, aren't we? Yes, I mean we have a a right, and I could easily argue a responsibility to communicate our thoughts and feelings, especially if it's a if it's an issue and we just can't let go of it. Mm. We need to communicate it in a respectful way, but how someone hears us. If they agree with us, how they respond back, that's all in their yard. Mm. We have no control over that. So it's like understanding what you have control over and what you're responsible for and also what you are not mm. is very, very key to having healthy relationships. Mm. Yeah, I have I have seen so many people who sort of try to weed their way into someone's life and try to take control where it's not their control. Um, yeah. I like to call it not staying in your lane. <laughs> oh, yes. That's it. And so when when somebody veers into your lane, how you respond to that is going to determine if that relationship is going to develop. Mm. If you allow someone to veer into your lane and they keep doing it and they keep doing it and they keep doing it and you allow it, then you're participating. You're enabling that to happen. Mm. But if you set healthy boundaries, and I do want to put out here that sometimes people have a misunderstanding that setting boundaries is 
um, confrontational mm. or loud. It is not. Mm. Some of the most peaceful, kind people I know have a very good understanding of their boundaries. Mm. They, there's no reason to get upset. They know what their boundaries are. You don't have to know. They know. Mm. And so if someone is veering into your lane and you politely say, this is not okay, that's your lane over there. This is my lane. It's not okay for you to veer into my lane. What's going to happen if there, if there's somebody who wants to continually to be controlling and veer into your lane and you're saying no, what's going to happen to that relationship? Mm, they're not going to love it as much anymore, are they? <clears throat> That's it. They're going to go on to somebody else who's going to let them veer into their lane. Mm. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was just thinking as you're talking then, Dana, that like we're not taught this when we're growing up, are we? Like as kids, we're not taught about boundaries in relationships and it's not until we get older that we begin to understand that, oh, yeah, that's that's a boundary that I don't think I want people to cross. A hundred percent. I mean, also when you think about your parents and sometimes, you know, our parents have issues. Like Like I mentioned earlier, my mother has, she had some and still does have some pretty significant psychological issues that resulted in, a lot of um, unpredictable mood swings and manipulative narcissistic behavior and mm. this kind of thing. And so I grew up feeling, number one, that if she was upset, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. And I was responsible for making her okay. Mm. And so the whole time I was growing up and into my young adult years, that's what, you know, she would get upset a lot, actually. And it was always somehow my fault. And it was my responsibility to do whatever I needed to do to get her to be okay. And so we come out of our childhood years and then we have to kind of as adults realize, okay, is this a narrative I want to continue to play out in my life or is it something that I want to question and possibly challenge and then maybe develop something healthier? Mm. Yeah, and I can relate to that as well. You know, I've I've had a challenging relationship with my mum too at times. Um, it has improved greatly um, with time. But, um, you know, I had to learn to speak up as well. You know, like um, when she would say things that would hurt me and impact my self-worth, that was when I went, you know what, I really wish you would stop saying that because it makes me feel this way. Um, and I've noticed there's been change since doing that. So just, you know, what kind of um, recommendations would you give to someone who's actually experiencing that kind of relationship with the parent uh, and they don't know what to say to them to, to, you know, put that boundary in place? Okay, that's an excellent question, Bendy. So the first thing you need to realise is their emotions are not your responsibility. That has to be first because... If we feel like how they react emotionally is our responsibility, we're not going to say anything at all. Mm. Because if we feel like, okay, I'm going to say something, they may not like it, then we might not say anything. We feel like we have to make sure they're okay with everything. And so let's let's start first with the whole phrase, she made me mad, or they made me mad. Technically, that's not possible. What happens is someone does something, and then we respond in some kind of way. Those are two different things. Mm. 
And so it's important to know that. So like someone can do something and then you react with a feeling or you can do something and someone else reacts with a feeling, but those are disconnected. And it's important to know that because if you're getting ready to say something to a parent and you feel like they're not going to like it, or I'm going to say something and they might react with hurt. Mm. Well, what you're responsible for is how you communicate it. So if you communicate it respectfully, then that's all, that's all you can do. Mm. What you cannot control is how they hear you, how they process what you said and how they respond back to you. Mm. None of that you have any control over. But it's also important to know that nobody can read your mind. Mm. So if there's something, I call it a boomerang issue, actually. So if there's an issue that we have with someone and we try to like fling it out because we don't want to address it, we don't want to think about it, we'd rather just avoid it, ignore it, just let it go. And we're trying as hard as we can to just let it go and make it be a non-issue. But somehow it keeps boomeranging back in the form of intrusive thoughts. Mm. And we, we keep trying to fling it away and it keeps boomeranging back. If we have a boomerang issue, that means that we are responsible for picking that issue up, walking across our yard and engaging in initiating conversation with that person because they can't read our mind. Mm. So if they're doing something that we are responding with hurt that's making us feel hurt, they don't know that. We have to tell them that. Now, If it's a healthy relationship, like you're describing, you had some things with your mom where you shared with her some things that were hurtful to you. Mm. And when you shared those with her, she changed her behavior. That's wonderful. Mm. Uh, Sometimes that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we can share that information and the person just continues to do what they're going to do. Mm. You're you're sharing that information doesn't change them at all. Mm. But your example was a much healthier example. Yeah, it's not always like that. that you know, that's, yeah. that's one in particular. But, yeah, um, I know there's some people who just don't have the courage to to even have those conversations, like my sister's one of those, um, with with a parent um, to to say, look, you know, you don't, you don't understand what you say and how it hurts um, and, and she doesn't have the, the strength to actually challenge her and go, you know what, this is this is. This is where the fence is, you know, um, and I, I see her just end up in, in really stressful situations because she doesn't have the courage to confront her. Mm. What is she scared of, do you think? Because you say she doesn't have the courage. She actually does, but but the fear is bigger. So what what is she scared of? What does she think is going to happen if she says something? So she is a, a huge people pleaser. So um, I think that... Um, you know, in that case, she would think that she wouldn't love her anymore or that, you know, she'd cause a confrontation that would be really uncomfortable. So, you know, and it wouldn't be pleasing her because, you know, that's that's her number one goal. Well, <laughs> being a people pleaser is you can't be a people pleaser and have healthy boundaries. That's it. That's it. And and really, if you think about it, someone else's pleasing, their pleasure in something or not is is not ours to manage. Mm. How they respond to something, if they if they get upset about something, that's not ours. What what is ours is to be able to communicate it in a respectful way. Mm. Now, setting boundaries is not really for the faint of heart. <laughs> you you have to say your words. But when you recognize what you are responsible for and what you are not, 
and you let go of how someone hears you and how they process, because think of it this way. You're talking to people who have been through all kinds of stuff in their history that you had nothing to do with. Mm. I think of the the three C's that come into play, like we did not cause whatever issue, whatever narrative is going on with that person. We didn't cause it. Mm. We can't control it. And we can't cure it. Mm. Those things do not belong to us. So if if we're being nice, if we're saying something to someone, it's like, you know, I wanted to share with you that when this topic comes up, it really makes me very uncomfortable. And I would just really like not to talk about this anymore or whatever. Let me say, first of all, excuse me, that we can't dictate what someone else is going to do. Mm. We can communicate how we feel about something, and then they can choose to either listen and change their behavior, or they're going to continue doing it anyway. What we do have control over is how we're going to respond. Mm. So hypothetically, let's say we share with someone, you know, when you bring up this particular topic, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. I don't like it at all. And I, I don't, I don't want to be around it. So I would prefer that you not bring it up. But if you choose to bring it up, I'm just going to walk away. Mm. Mm. Just so you know. So because that's what we have control over. Lots of times setting boundaries is sort of like an if then. Mm -hmm. If you fill in the blank, then I fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So if you choose to bring this up, then I am going to either end the conversation or I'm going to walk away or whatever the case may be. Because that's what we have control over is what we're going to do. Mm. And, you know, again, something just came to me um in that discussion there, Dana, is what's your thoughts around someone's self-worth and their ability to set boundaries? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's big. Um, if someone has good, solid self-worth, okay, notice the word self, mm. then it's almost like if you imagine um, an offensive lineman on a football team, he's on the front and his, his legs are wide. And you're not going to like knock him over very easily because Mm. he's got a wide stance versus someone that is standing up on their tiptoes on one foot. They're very easily pushed over. So if someone does not have very good self-worth, that means they're trying to gain their worth from people around them. Mm. And that puts them in a very precarious situation because it is not other people's responsibility. Now I'm talking about adults. When we're kids, we are dependent upon whoever our parents are to try to, you know, teach us that we're worth something and that kind of stuff. But regardless of whatever childhood you had, because I have a lot of patients who had terrible childhoods. Mm. But the thing is, once you get to be an adult, you are responsible. Mm. So if you if you feel like you're carrying around a, a narrative from your childhood that's really undermining your self-worth, then you can get into therapy and you can challenge and you can address those issues and create your own sense of what you think is your self-worth and understanding that basically you're a fallible human who has been raised by fallible humans who are also raised by fallible humans. Mm. And so you can get into therapy and kind of shake loose some of those dysfunctional narratives. But if you, if your sense of self-worth is shaky then 
you're not going to have good boundaries because you're going to be running around trying to perform, please, and, and perfect, be perfect for everybody, please everybody, doing the, the tap dance, performing for everybody to get them to sh- tell you that you're worth something mm. versus you knowing what you're worth. You, you're too dependent on others to give that to you. And that's a very, like I said, a precarious place to be. Mm. It's it's all connected, isn't it? You know, like, yep. um, and you know, one thing I do want to say that <clears throat> whilst we're talking about, you know, family members and things like that, um, they, they did the best job they knew how to do. So we're not saying that they were bad parents or anything like that. It's just they did the best that they knew how to do based on what they were equipped with. Um, And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, because of the patterns that have been created and the triggers that are there. Um, So it's just one thing I did want to say. It doesn't mean they're bad parents. (laughs) No, absolutely. But I do want to state they're because we're all fallible. Mm. You know, we all have mistakes. And, mm. and for those of us out there that are, that are parents ourselves, we understand that it's it's a hard job and you just try your best and you make mistakes and you move along. But there's a difference between forgiving a parent for something they did when you were growing up versus a parent that insists on continuing to behave in a dysfunctional way with you moving forward. Mm. Mm. That's different. Yeah. Because if you think about it, forgiveness, that implies the past. And along with forgiveness implies someone acknowledging what they did and being willing to turn away from it Mm. saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then there can be forgiveness and forgiveness is amazing and wonderful. But if someone is like, for whatever reason, they're going to continue to do it, whether it's a, a conscious choice or whether it's a subconscious narrative that's playing out, but either way, their behavior repeatedly tells you that this is the way they're going to interact with you. Mm. Yeah. Some people can't break. Yeah. Some people just can't break those patterns and that's where you got to go to a whole new boundary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, Dana, as you mentioned, um, you've also got a podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Uh, My podcast is called Phoenix and Flame. And I originally started it because I was hearing a lot of patients that were telling me their issues. And they said things like, I feel like I'm all alone. Mm. And I would know they weren't because I had the privilege and the and, and the, the blessing of being able to hear so many other people's stories that I knew they weren't alone, but they didn't know that. Mm. And I'm like, if I could put together a podcast and really help us to connect and be very transparent and real and honest, a safe place where we can say, hey, I have these feelings. I have these struggles, you know, and then other people can listen to the episodes and go, oh, my gosh, I have those same struggles, but I haven't wanted to say it out loud. I didn't want anyone to know that I struggled with that. But if that person struggles with it, then maybe that legitimizes me that I'm struggling. It's okay. I can talk about it now. And that was one of the reasons that I created the podcast and I called it Phoenix and Flame because not only was I wanting to emphasize the rising from the ashes because it's called pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Mm. That's what my podcast is about. So it's not only rising from the ash and what it takes to rise from the ash, but also the flame. Mm. What was the heat? What was the flame that that caused you to have those issues to begin with and examining both parts and that's what that's what I wanted to put together. 
what a brilliant concept. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, like, I just that's just fascinating for people who need to hear that because it helps, I don't know, it almost helps them feel like there's not something wrong with them, that they're not, mm-hmm. as you said, not alone. And it almost makes that issue a little bit smaller, doesn't it? Like, yes. they're like, oh, this isn't such a big deal after all because I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. <laughs> and if that person, you know, because they'll listen to an episode of someone I'm interviewing, they're like, well, what what helped that person? You know, I haven't tried that. I'll try that. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, why can't we just band together mm. and realize that we're all basic humans, then we all have the same basic needs and struggles. Let's just work on that together. Let's reach out and build that community where we can be, we have permission and safety to be just perfectly transparent. Mm. Just like, this is this is something that I had struggled with and someone else struggles with it too. So what helped you? This is what helped me. What helped you? And let's just kind of do it together as a community. Mm, and no doubt it probably gives so many people those aha moments that they need to go, oh, so that's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this is it. It's awareness, isn't it? Because so many people... It's they're just going through the motions of life and they're not actually understanding what the heck is happening to them. That's it. Mm. And when you were talking about boundaries earlier, that's a big deal with boundaries <clears throat> because they don't understand. And really, when when my patients would come to me, they would come for any number of reasons. But once I really started listening and unpacking the origins of what was causing their issues, it was almost always a boundary issue, but they didn't know that they didn't see it. And once we were able to unpack their, their situation and they were able to understand how they either were letting someone else come in and jerk up all their flowers, you know, they were allowing someone else to tell them they, you can't think that you can't feel that you can't do that. Or they were running around painting everyone's houses, washing everybody else's cars raking everybody else's leaves while their house looked like they're losing at Jumanji. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Imagine if, um, you know, all the politicians in the world um, uh, learnt uh, boundaries from you, Dana. It'd be an incredible place, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Who knows? Shoo! (laughs) Now, um, look, I reckon we could talk all day on boundaries, but um, if people want to find out more um, and get in touch with you, Dana, where can they go? Okay, right now I am creating a um, online course. You can go to Dana Skaggs, D-A-N-A-S-K-A-G-G-S dot com slash join. Um, that has just pages after page about myself and information about the course. I'm in the process of adjusting. I have phoenixandflame.com, which is my podcast, but I'm um, kind of going through a, an evolution process with everything. And so the best place right now would be just going to danaskags.com slash join. Perfect. Awesome. I've got the last big question for you, Dana. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Mm, That's a good one. I would like for people to see other people as people and not from subsets, like to look them in the eye, Mm. whether those eyes happen to be in the body of someone who is white or black or purple or green, 
whether those eyes are on the body of someone who identifies as female or male or neither, whether those eyes happen to be in the body of someone who has, you know, this attachment or that attachment. Look, I would love it if people could look others in the eye and get to know them from who they are inside instead of making all kinds of judgments based on what they see on the outside. Oh, imagine what that would be like. (laughs) That would be amazing. Oh, what a world that would be. Um, You know, I just, yeah, it's mind-blowing if we could reach that. Well, to learn their stories. Mm, Absolutely, because we're all... Look in the eye, learn their story. We're all one, aren't we, really? Mm -hmm. Um, And if we, we learnt that and practiced that, yeah. Wow, we would solve world peace. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us getting things done. <clears throat> Dana, you have been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the Ethical Evolution. Thank you, Bendy, for having me so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.